it's time to address the beer style we all know and know. The light American lager. I know, we tend to talk about craft beer, but if millions of people like it, can they really all be wrong? Probably. But we're going to find out this week, so come in and have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hey guys, so what's been going on since last week? Mostly dying. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, sinus uh, infections. <laughs> third one in like six months. Dude, and everybody's been sick. Everybody. Like people at work podcasters we listen to like just i blame casey I, for all of them hmm. I you finally, know you should i did finally bite the bullet i went to the doctor they uh they prescribed me antibiotics and i think they chose the antibiotic i was going to take based on the fact i said social drinker <laughs> sure sure nowhere on that bottle does it say do not drink without do not consume with alcohol so i'm gonna go easy but Cheers to that. You know. Slauncha. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, well, this morning I was out uh, bright and early for a beer release. and I You know, say, I thought I saw some pictures from that. Yeah, I uh, put a few things out. I <clears throat> uh, got down to Listerman really early for their Biggie and Pock releases. Uh, you can guess East Coast versus West Coast styles of IPAs. Both amazing. But, there ain't no hop like a West Coast hop, because a West Coast hop don't stop. It don't, actually. That ended up being, uh, we were, everyone was going into it, even when I went up to the bar to get pints. And she asked me, he's like, which do you like, Big Ear Pock? And I was like, are you talking about the beers or the music? <laughs> and she's like, both. It's like, well, I'm going to go with Pock on the music. but And everyone's like, yeah. I was like, I think I'm going to like the Biggie when it comes to the beer more, because that was the big hazy Mm -hmm. uh, Northeastern and everyone's like yeah and then I get them and I try and I'm like no the, the pox actually better <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's you know it's personal preference I haven't had to try, got to try them so I don't I don't know yeah, those uh, more limited quantity funds are a little more limited right no, now so. I was gonna say like I, I wasn't expecting to, to get some I just meant like I haven't got to try them maybe I'll try to scout some out at some point if I'm up in that area I was gonna say, yeah. I, I can hold some if we can get you all up here sometime soonish. Drink them quick. <laughs> You'll never see them. But no, I'll try and hold on to a couple. You guys make it up. But yeah, um, other than that, uh, I don't think I've really been up to much. Uh, 
I think we finally found some singles of all the new uh, Voodoo Rangers. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So we had one of those. We had the 8-Hop uh, last night. That was really good. It is. It's. I've not tasted an, an IPA quite like that. It was definitely <laughs> different, but a good difference. I'm, just, I'm so jealous. The only thing alcoholic touching me in the last few days has been NyQuil. <laughs> Get you wrecked. Casey? No, it just makes me sleepwalk. <laughs> <laughs> you ever just wake up touching your hand to the front door of your apartment, looking around, going, you know, in your in your underwear, going, "How did I get here?" No, no, I can't say that. Uh, that happens a lot. Oh. Just, just me? Okay. No, that's just you, all you. All right. Well, we've held things up long enough. Let's uh, let's jump into this news. So a nice big clickbaity title paired with picture. Uh, the version of this I grabbed was from Fox Business, but it's everyone's carried pretty much the exact same combination that uh, the CEO of Boston Beer has announced he is stepping down with a big picture of Cook. Say it ain't so. Who who will lead us in? Is he hanging up his tankard for good? Who will lead us in, at, at Oktoberfests? Boston Beer's long-serving president and CEO announced he would be retiring next year, giving the craft beer or giving the craft brewery plenty of time to find a replacement. But can a new top executive do what current one was unable to turn around the beer makers' declining fortunes? And then mm -hmm. a steady hand at the wheel, Martin Roper, who is oh, actually this... CEO of Boston Beer, That's not Jim right. Cook. Mr. Roper is now going to, he's leaving, he's leaving Boston Beer to go run an apartment complex and constantly worry about the, the two girls and one guy living upstairs. And how the guy is maybe a homosexual. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well, a three-step that reference. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think I've actually seen an episode of that show. It what? just it took me a minute. You oh, clearly did not watch nearly enough Nick at Night. Oh my god, we I are... I did, but not that show particularly. We are running down some Three's Company. I'm making you watch that. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Brittany. It is not good. It should be. Does it not stand up? I've not watched any Three's Company I've... probably since like the late 80s. I think because Suzanne Summers drives me crazy. Like, Well, they good news, they replace her. <laughs> yeah, you don't have much of that to deal with. Uh, all right. Martin Roper has been the only chief executive Boston Beer has known since it became a public company after founder Jim Cook relinquished the role to him in 2001. Over his 16-year tenure, yeah, it's been that long since 2001, the brewer became the biggest name in the industry and is still regarded by many as the face of craft beer. Yeah. No, uh, kind of. I guess to everyone else, to me, the face of craft leans more towards like the next tier down of like, Stone and uh, maybe New Belgium or Goose Island or those people, and mo several of those aren't craft anymore. So yeah, I, I think I think New Belgium that makes sense to me. Yeah, but as a brand name, yeah. But I mean, a face you just think Jim Cook, right? I mean, yeah, that big smile and the, the ads they used to run of him just like throwing the hops in his face. They do have the <laughs> ad thing going for them because I would then the next person you'd go to is Sam Calgioni, but. You don't see a lot of dogfish head ads. 
Mm. No, you don't. Or if you do, no. they're of him chewing like weird, rare corns <laughs> and spitting them out. Oh God, no! I thought we weren't talking about that ever again. And then brewing them, and then people drank it. Oh, <laughs> stop! The brewer of the flagship Samuel Adams brand went from selling over 1.2 million barrels over the course of a year at the end of 2000 to shipping that amount in a single quarter. Revenue has similarly grown from $212 million annually to almost $1 billion annually, generated uh, $271 million in its third quarter. And profits Jesus. have widened from $11 million to around $90 million a year. Mm. Profits, mind you. <laughs> yeah. not, uh, not wow. That's cutting out all the cost. That's just it. Jesus. That's what daddy's bringing mm -hmm. home. <laughs> Well, well, they're public now, so that's what all the stockholders have, have had their increase come from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while Cook get, uh, often gets the credit for Boston Beer's triumph, and it's not completely undeserved, as the man in charge of the brewer's day-to-day -day operations, Roper has been key to its success. But Boston Beer is going flat, as the once expand har har flat. As the once expanding craft beer industry matures, the 1.13 million barrels sold last quarter was down 12% from the year-ago period, and revenue was down 13%. Sales are set to fall for the brewer for the first time in 13 years. Uh, profits uh. Have, uh, have contracted as well, tumbling 18% to $31.2 while depletions or sales to distributors and retailers are reliably proxy for industry demand. Uh, fell 8% last quarter, and they're expected to be down as much as 6% for the year. That's a lot of numbers, a lot of percents. The base, Mostly going down. Yeah, Sam Adams is, or Boston Beer. It's not that things aren't looking good. Like, you can't be like, oh, they're going to go under. Things are bad. They might sell. They might. They're just, it's... there's so many brands, it's kind of a fight for, you know, they're, they exploded. Yeah. And now they're and settling this... back down. Like, they've been up and up and up. And now they've got to, like, they got a little too big for their britches. And now they got to fit back in them britches. I was going to say, this may be one of those things where it's just they're so big that, you know, everyone doesn't think of them as craft anymore because they keep changing the definition of craft to make sure it's, you know, them and whoever else they need to can still fit in there. Um, but also, I think, like, a big part of the, the, the reason they're seeing sales decline is that, you know, there are other craft games in town. We can get whatever you know we it was an amazing experience that first time you get that first you know sam adams boston lager after you've been drinking you know bud miller Coors. yeah but there's a lot of people now and that's a lot of other podcasts have listened to when they talk about what's your go-to when you're out and a lot of times they'll be like you know if there's not something local on i'll just grab a boston lager yeah yeah because and it's and that's... because they know it's on tap everywhere if mm. you see a Bud Miller course on a tap, you're gonna see the Sam Adams one right next to him. Well, that means that means you're not looking for that. You're not seeking them out anymore. True. Yeah. They are like the the, the thing that gets excitement that's going to show more growth. I feel like is going to be, you know, smaller, smaller craft beers because they have all this room to grow. But, well, and especially yeah. new and exciting stuff. You don't hear. I mean, I know Sam Adams puts out new stuff, but when is the last time you heard something like crazy and awesome coming from Sam Adams? That's not to say that they have to do something crazy all the time. It's just 
how are they going to compete otherwise? Well, last year that's, we yeah. had the cans. Or are you going to say Casey? That's that's one of the things about Sam Adams or, or Boston Beer Company is they don't they market tradition. And um, it's not that sensationalism that this article, when it was written for clickbait, was kind of pushing for. Um, right. They're just kind of a steady. They're the they're the tortoise, and you know we always say the tortoise versus the hare, but who knows if the tortoise will actually make it out of this one? Um, they're not. Well, let me let me go back and say that. If the tortoise dies halfway through the race. What if George R. R. Martin is writing this children's story? <laughs> this um, George R. R. Martin fables. <laughs> what what if that all these other breweries out there that are doing gangbusters, they're doing great or doing well. Um, Sam Adams is sitting there playing the game of we've been around for a lot longer than you have. Um, when you're gone, we'll be here still. And we're just in a good financial situation, even though we are, um, you know, we haven't been they, yeah. putting or, out new, exciting new things. I mean, the, the craft beer scene has been dying down for a little bit now. Yeah, that's true. And so, Ever since we started, I think we've been driving people away. Uh, yeah, it really, we, we jumped on right at the downfall, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, the craft beer scene is kind of like in this. It's getting more and more niche. People are going, well, and the fact that more craft beer is going to big beer. Right. Yeah, you know, a lot of. That's lot fueling of, it. Well, of, I don't want to say sellouts, but a lot of people getting gobbled up. Well, and, and be probably because of that distribution thing that we were talking about. That's part of the issue with a lot of the smaller places. And when they get bought up, distribution's no longer as much of a problem. But then they're not craft anymore. So the market yeah. is getting really twisted and tied up. Uh, even on here in the rest of the article, there's a bit more to the article and whatnot. But it mentions um, Constellation Brands Ballast Point. I didn't know they were owned by them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So these are well, like that, that was one of the that about. was actually the biggest buyout in beer history. They paid one billion dollars for Ballast Point, okay. uh, maybe a year and a half ago, something that, like that. that happened maybe a right before we started the podcast. Which yeah. is the same company who owns, you know, Corona. <laughs> so, yeah. Same it, company that sells you glass beer. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Once a year, there's a glass fight in the Constellation factory, and. <laughs> It gets in the beer. But yeah, I, the the thing, to me, it the article isn't like a huge depressing thing because 16 years, not a bad run. So and it's and because yeah, I think Sam Adams is probably in a in a tough spot right now, even though yeah, it's the default beer for people, but it's not the first thing people are going to the store for at all. And maybe they need new leadership in in there to figure something out. It's it's an image problem. Oh, and, yeah. this... and I hate their new packaging. Can I just say it's ugly? It's stupid and ugly. And this <laughs> kind of is. Shot. It goes against what the whole selling tradition. And when you look at that packaging, it's trying to be, it's trying to compete with the new, like, micro scene of these labels that are just so flashy. And I, I don't think it meshes well. Every time we say tradition, I'm just trying my best not to start screaming tradition. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've been seeing these shakeups all across the industry. I mean, there are a lot of CEOs stepping down. They're switching out. I guess that one two weeks ago at Bell's. Yeah, right. we got the story from Bell's. Who else this year? Uh, Jester King. They had a swap out. I mean, it's. I can't even remember everyone right now. You can just go back to all the past episodes, and I'm sure you guys listening are just like, "Oh no, this one that you've talked about these." Wasn't New Belgium one of them? No, oh, that's stepping down. Yeah. 
She's stepped down, and I don't think they've named a replacement yet, have they? I haven't heard. I think they still have an interim. Yeah. Yeah, because she's going to another company instead of hawking beer. She's gonna be doing something else. Which is dumb. <laughs> don't you do anything other than beer? Yeah, I mean, I mean come on. What, what's wrong with you? But yeah, uh, their stocks have slipped, and yeah. everyone wants to say, oh, it's not looking good for them, but I really think it's it'll cause them to trim their lineup down. You're going to see a lot of you know things that are, are not their core get trimmed off. So I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. It might be. They may get a CEO in there who's, who's good with that. I think what we're going to see from Sam Adams coming out and Boston Beer Company, but Sam Adams brand specifically, I think we're going to see a, a big show of it. I think they're going to change their marketing up a little bit instead of doing that old um, traditional style. It's going to be something different. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be like – are you telling me when I hear commercials for them, like on, uh, I don't know, they used to pop up all the time on Pandora because it knew I was an alcoholic. Um, but uh, you're, they're not going to be, you know, Dropkick Murphys playing, coming back to Boston? I, I don't think so. Um, I think it's going to be probably closer to, well, it may be. It may still be the coming back to Boston, but it's not going to be that, hey, we're a traditional brewery that's been in the craft business for a long time. It's going to be more of that check out this cool new thing or, or, you know, they've done IPAs, but it's not been, it's not been those blow your, your tongue off IPAs. I think we're going to see more of that. The more stuff like the rebel, the rebel series that they do. They have the rebel series and that's kind of it. They've been doubling down with it because they've got the juiced one out right now. That's a brand new one. It's It's mentioned in the, it's mentioned in the, the article. It says like yet Yoper's, Yoper, yet Roper's replacement may be able to do something. Boston Beer recently announced it's, it was changing the recipe for Rebel IPA beer. The first time they've done so for one of the big brands. Yes, that uh, is on the shelves now with the redone one. That's, that's another thing it's spreading. Uh, Oh, that juiced is actually really good. It was a tropical style. Oh, it's delicious. I might have to go grab a single of that. But yeah, that's, I mean, this uh, redoing recipes is going around, and I, I like it. Our local brewery that you all are sick of hearing of, Braxton, they're redoing their launch IPA, which was Crankshaft, mm. and they took it, took the formula all the way back, and they've reshaped the beer, and now it's going to be called Revamp, and they're much more proud of it. The inaugural tapping was yesterday. We didn't go to it. It was at, the, it was at Beer Fest. Yeah, he's going to be at Beer Fest tonight, mm. which we are missing. Can't Welcome to my world, world, boys and girls. <laughs> Can't go to everything, yeah. But, but I see that. I see them focusing more on the IPA, less on the you know, American ale. They've got a lot of, of traditionals that they're going to keep, those tap handles in the Applebee's and Chili's and TGI Fridays. But uh, they're going to have to reach out with their um, – grab up another handle because that's – it's it's a handle game. How many how many handles can you get at the bar? And they're yeah. such a big company. They're always on there with their their Boston Lager. Can they get another handle on with their IPA too? Completely, and, and that's I'm, what I'm they still... need with the IPAs. That could be the big thing that's hurt them. I think you're completely right there. They don't have a competing IPA. Man, I'm still just thinking about pouring a tall Sam Adams beer out of a draft, and my mouth just starts watering again. <laughs> Like, oh, God, like a, a, a big, tall Boston lager at the end of the day, though. Oh, I just want it right now. I have other beer. I'm good with it. I'm just sorry. Like, it's visually very appealing. 
It's a good looking beer. It's a good looking beer. And that's not going to make your mouth water in the least. Let's let's dry that mouth up with this next story. Uh, From Beer Street Journal. Get ready to drink like it's the 90s. Zima is set to return. Oh, yeah. Baby want a Zima. Baby does want a Zima. Something else that's also referenced in the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Miller Coors, who I did not know owns it. Uh, seems to be prepping for the return of clear malt beverage Zima. God. The beverage hit the market around 94 and was an instant hit. We think of it like an alcoholic Crystal Pepsi, which incidentally is also back on shelves. Yeah, can we stop and realize that not everything needs to be clear? It's how I distinguish drinks I can't have. <laughs> hey, I, I remembered liking Crystal Pepsi. Uh, we saw it on shelf. I think, no, Brittany bought it. And brought it home, and I was like, "What the hell? Why not?" And I drank it, and I was just like, "No, just I remember, I, I like just it. Pepsi. I'm I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm like tastes like Pepsi, but it's clear. I'm like, I don't like Pepsi anymore. But when did I buy it? I don't. You brought it home. I don't remember this. College the, kids the apparently reason... soaked Skittles and Jolly Ranchers in bottles of fruity four fruity variations. Not that we would know. We just turned twenty one yesterday. Ugh. Uh, let, let me jump over to that Crystal Pepsi thing. So the, uh, I think the key, and, and it's perfect for this show because it's have a drink, not have a beer necessarily. Um, I think Crystal Pepsi is an excellent tool for mixing drinks. <laughs> because you use Pepsi or pe- a cola beverage in a mixed drink, and you can't keep it the color that you want. It, it always turns that brown color. But if you want to add... If you want to add Crystal Pepsi to a drink and, and say you want to do a rum and Coke, you can you do... do a rum and you coke that is clear. Flashy rum and cokes. You could and then float some cherry on top. A cherry rum and coke. That's. I mean, crystal Pepsi on your uh, on your gun on a, uh-huh. on a soda gun at a bar when you're you know mixing this stuff up. All of a sudden you're you're you know coloring it for your favorite team using whichever uh, whichever liqueur you need, curacao yeah. or. That's you know. a thought. Actually, that is genius. so crystal pepsi would be great on the mixed drink side um you know any clear liquor vodka and and pepsi whatever you want to use um any clear liquor and pepsi crystal pepsi would do a a really good mixed drink plus whatever color you want i'm just saying we're now closer to the year uh to the year 3000 where we can have paps blue robot because they still had zima then yeah (laughs) or will have zima then I'm all up on Zima. I, I can't wait for this to come out. Oh God, I'll I'll have to get one as a no. I never even had a Zima. I was going to say I'll have to get one as a throwback. I was like, no, I never. No, we like weren't old enough. Malt liquory things I had, that was not one of them. <laughs> the uh, whenever I think of Zima, do you, do you remember those commercials for Zima? Oh, they get into this. Okay, uh, the malt beverage was sold with just... the tagline "Something Different," which obviously prompted. <sighs> Drunk folks to try to pronounce everything with a Z in front of it. Oh, nope. Nope. No, we're not. Ta- we're not reading that next sentence. No, no, um, that's how I was skipping it. <laughs> Miller Coors is playing uh, that release a little too close, or playing, yeah, playing a release a little too close to the chest. Last year, the company refiled the paperwork for the trademark of Zima. When asked for a statement, the response the Beer Street Journal received is basically, "You'll see." So the commercial I always think of with Zima is they're out on some crazy like street party with like turntables that's melting the 
melting the, the the records and like they put the zima on it and everything cools off because it's so refreshing and i just remember watching that going like what the it could, I, I i can't remember how old i was but i just remember going, what what is this they've got i don't they've got a commercial linked on here and it's oh, it's just so strange i feel like the guy's a little date rapey yeah i'm glad i'm not the only one you look at him like I feel like he's supposed to be a notable actor, but he is indeed not. Anyone in a solid white suit with that hat is is a little rapey. Not even pouring, date rapey. He's he's pouring the Zima over ice. ice. Like, yes. That's not something I would have thought about doing. It's I like pouring a beer most, over ice. Most of the commercials. Yeah, he's pouring it to look like he's he's pouring you, you know. Vodka, I guess, or some clear liquor, but it's just Zima. <laughs> see, I watch it and I keep thinking that it's uh, like a Sierra Mist commercial when I see it. It's just Rufalin. <laughs> Wait, here, martini and a roofie colada. Uh, All right. Yeah. Now that we're talking roofies, let's get into the last story here, which is one that we started talking about pre-show and had to stop. You're like, no, no, we have this discussion on mic. Um, Walmart is being sued for inventing a fake craft brewery. What? So you may have heard us talk Who about this. Who would have reported about this fake craft brewery? You may have uh, actually seen this beer out, Casey. You may have purchased yeah, some of it. Yeah, I think Bob and I had a few of these at a we pool did. party last summer. America's Love Affair, which craft with craft beer, has been growing steadily over the past decade. The desire to pay slightly more in exchange for beer... It doesn't taste like it was watered down with the bitter tears of Adolf Kors' ghost. It's <laughs> <laughs> responsible for the craft beer market growing by double digits. God, I love the AV Club. For eight of the last ten years, accounting for more than a tenth. Now, we've had some crap articles from them. We have, but like yeah. a couple times when you find them, it's just like, yes, thank you. For more than a tenth of the total U.S. beer sales beginning in 2015, so it's understandable that other companies might want to get in into such seemingly lucrative market. Unfortunately, it requires actually brewing craft beer, not just slapping a new label on your shitty mass-produced beer and jacking up the price. But such nuances are apparently beyond the kin of Walmart. New tagline, Walmart, we figure out, or we figured out how to make lettuce give you diabetes. <laughs> God. Yeah, okay, this is a, this is a really good one. See? As USA Today reports, the retail chain is being sued for selling fake craft beer in an effort to get consumers to pay more for the product. Walmart announced last year that it had begun selling its own line of craft beers, claiming it was working in collaboration with Treble Brewing to brew four styles of craft beer, which would be a smart business move, except for the part where Treble Brewing doesn't actually exist. You know, I remember it at the time going, I've never heard of this Treble Brewing. I remember so I, I, on yeah. the episode trying to look them up and figure this out. Yeah. When we, we first, I think when we first talked about it, we may have talked about contract brewing, and that was what. Yeah, that was what the assumption was that this is contract brewing. Yeah. Brew for hire. So more or less with contract brewing, it is brew for hire. It's you you pay a, you are, for all intents and purposes, a marketing company. 
And Walmart does this with all kinds of things. They do it with flour. They do it with their sugar. The, every every their generic products, the, you know, what is it, great value line? Yeah. This is yeah. great value beer, and that's what we said. Mm-hmm. So they do this with all kinds of products. But whenever it goes into craft beer, what makes it craft is a little bit more than just, oh, okay, this is uh, like sugar. It is, quote, unquote, craft beer. Um, there's more that goes into it than just that. It's a little more than actually having a beer style. Yeah, there's actually so, some legalities to the termination, like termination, <laughs> the terminality yeah. that's being thrown around. Yeah, and there, you know, it's the American Craft Brewers Association that that kind of sets, and those actually it's the Brewers Association that sets it. But um, so, Walmart, I don't know if any of their their actual packaging ever said on it the words craft beer, um, but that was the way it was really portrayed with the marketing and the advertising. So here's what you get with a lot of breweries, and and I. I I can think of one other brewery that I really, um, whenever I was thinking about it, there was one other brewing company that I thought that the same way about, and that was the um, Not Your Father's Root Beer Company. Mm-hmm. So they technically have like a little tiny microbrewery, um, but that little tiny microbrewery to me is about the equivalent of, I don't know, a, a large – like Hagen Doss ice cream having a ice cream shop on a boardwalk. It's not like the, all the ice creams made there. It's where they sell it out of and yeah. all that. But you they're know also I mean. owned by AB InBev. Exactly, and that was the thing. Like, not your father's root beer started showing up on all these menus and started showing up on all these tap handles. And I said, nothing gets that big that quick without you hearing about it, unless it's owned by a larger company. Yeah. Well, Walmart came in and, and did the same thing. They did a contract brewing where basically somebody owns a brand. You go to a marketing company and you say, make me a brand. And they, they say, these colors go well with these colors. This is how we get poplars. Poplars. <laughs> this is how you go in like someone owns the name. This is the only name not trademarked. Oh, yeah. Or is it oh, gotcha. Pop, yes. Uh, so. <laughs> So they'll they'll basically go in. It's a marketing. It's one guy who has the money to say, okay, I can buy the I can buy beer at a, a cheap price from a company that wants to make it. In this case, it was uh, what Janice Brewing. Um, yeah, like basically the same. Genesee, yeah. Genesee. Same group that makes a lot of other. Uh, As the article type of, says, of, cheap college party staples. Yeah, <laughs> when you think of malt liquor, they do a lot of malt liquor stuff. But so they go, whoever, the company or Walmart would be the, the guy, the man in this situation. They would go to a, a marketing company and say, okay, make us up a marketing plan on what we need to do to get this beer on our shelves. So they create the packaging. They create all the cool logos and everything that looks good. And then you go to this other brewing company and say, okay, make us a beer that tastes sort of like an IPA, but it can't cost more than 12 cents a can. And whenever you rolls out, probably with Walmart, it's actually closer to like two or three cents a can. Um, and when it rolls out the end, you know, put this label on it and then ship it out to all of our stores. And that's pretty much the way this is done. It's, it's a, it's all a conglomerate that puts it together. You or I could go and do this. If we had half a million dollars, we could go and do this and and start our own, uh, brewing company, quote unquote, and start advertising or our brand new brewing facility or our huge brewing facility in in wherever. And, and it could be literally like, a a another own company that is doing the brewing for you. I'm so glad you described this because when I was looking stuff up for this and I found that article I shared with you guys earlier about like, um, uh, like breweries you didn't know were owned by whoever or whatever. And yeah. Right. 
the one that kept popping up um, as the owner was North American Breweries. And I was like, what the crap is this? And I looked it yeah. up, and it's a contract brewery. But yeah. they own Labatt Blue, Magic Hat, <laughs> um, Seagram's. Mm-hmm. And they own Genesee or Genesee or however you say it. So yeah, there you go. So it that one owns all the things essentially. Hey, Genesee. No, wrong thing. So they you know they go to this this brewing conglomerate and say, hey, we need a beer that we are going to sell to people who don't know better, and that's the way it happens. Now, whether there should be a lawsuit because somebody's stupid and doesn't know the difference um, when they that a beer that's only sold at Walmart and it's you know, the Walmart beer that came out on all these different um, news sites as being the Walmart beer, that it's not truly a craft beer. Well, I mean, how much are you paying attention to, you know, all the time when you're buying beer? of like, this is only in Walmart. You could just be in Walmart trying to find beer and you just found somewhere you've never heard of before. That's true. That's true. And and I think that's where the lawsuit's going to have to go is what's the what's the general level of knowledge that a person's supposed to have whenever they're buying craft beer um we are i guess we are in that world where we're kind of a little bit more educated on craft beer than most well so or we're we're, we pay more attention to it i guess i was gonna say what do you mean educated i don't know crap (laughs) well there's a reason that budweiser is the number one selling beer in the united states it's because most people really don't you know yeah pay a whole lot of attention to what their beer does that's not someone else's priority you know the final bit of this article calls a lot of things and us into uh, or mm. points us out. Uh, according to the lawsuit, the bullshit trouble brewing beer doesn't meet any of the criteria for craft beer, let alone explain why you're paying more for anything Walmart makes, <laughs> since that kind of flies in the face of the retail giant's whole reason. Raison yeah. d'etre. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what? That's not. It's uh, not English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Walmart, for example, to qualify, it would need to be more 25% be more 25 more than 25% owned by a craft brewer and making fewer than 6 million barrels of beer a year both of which are conditions Walmart reportedly fails with flying colors the lawsuit <laughs> is seeking comp, uh, compensatory compensator oh my god that's a hard <laughs> word I, I stumbled on it just reading it the first couple times compensatory I, I yep. want, why was i going a completely different direction because, because you want to say compensation yeah. <laughs> the lawsuit law, oh my god the lawsuit is seeking that damages, seeking damages. For anyone who shelled out dough for trouble brewing. However, it should really also include payments for anyone who was forced to listen to a craft beer snob at a party talking about how the hops he uses are treated with vanilla or jasmine or whatever. That's not specific to trouble brewing, of course, but it's super annoying. That's so I love this article I until it gets down to that last that no. last line and it hits very home. Yeah. Very much home. No, it's fine. We needed it. No, we yeah. We because it's the thing it's the thing I do when I'm out drinking and I'm like, oh yes, no, the beautiful aroma of the oh, oh I've become that guy. <laughs> Just shut up. I am that guy. No, I realized I was that person this morning. I even had to post a picture because I was like, no, I'm that person I hate now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my English <laughs> breakfast tea with the organic coconut sugar and milk, and then my gluten-free yeah. toast <laughs> with non-dairy take... butter. I was in line for oh, beer going. I non-dairy know, butter. Yeah, we use Smart Balance. Oh no. oh no. So, well, never mind. We'll talk off here. We're gonna we're having a new show. Have a butter. 
Have, have a butter. Have you're, have a food. Just, you're not real butter substitutes. The, we'll have a show called Have a the, Meal very soon. The evidence of uh, butter versus margarine. Um, we, we invented margarine because it was supposedly healthier. And then margarine actually increases the, uh, I think it was the heart disease or heart attack rate. Uh, worse than butter does. Oh, maybe I need to start using more margarine. Well, this isn't margarine. It's a, it's just like a, a series of oils, essentially. Yeah, hardened oils. No, there's no, but there's no hydrogenated oils in it. Like it's mm. it's different or whatever. I don't know. We have problems with dairy. Jesus. You say that now. Oh, uh, okay. If it's if it's if it's that if you're like not trying to be like, oh, butter's bad then. In the, in the fine print, issue. in the fine print, it says it gives you non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's roll into some untapped. We've talked about this Get stuff. Riggedy, riggedy. I might be wrecked, and we just got through the news, so <laughs> this is great. Uh, yeah. What, okay, so, so quick quick go to on this one, just just so we can we can track or later on. Okay. Do you think they'll win the lawsuit? Oh, uh, going back. Do you think they'll win the lawsuit? No, they'll they'll pay. Okay. Out. They'll think so? Because there are going to be five people who actually step up and admit that they bought that beer and want their $12 back. <laughs> Casey, you're one of them. Oh, yeah, I want my $12 back. Brittany, what do you think? I mean, I, I feel like you just shouldn't buy stuff at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Close. Okay. Eh. Moving on. All right. So, for untapped badges, first up, we've got. Smitten by bells. This seems this seems to have been more appropriate before Valentine's Day. <laughs> prepare to be oh, prepare to be smitten with rye malt and cascade hops as you enjoy the year's release of Bell's Smitten Gold Rye Pale Ale. Uh, one of Bell's oldest recipe, this dry hopped beer features an earthy, rustic rye malt character along with citrus resinous hop aroma. It's one of the first seasonal releases of the year. Keep an eye out for the rest of their 2017 lineup. I uh, just need to check in to one of Bell's Smitten Golden Rye between February 10th and March 10th. So about halfway through the month. Uh, still got some time. And the Bell Smitten release badge is yours. Plenty of time, yeah. And they are a boot. You can find them boot. pretty much everywhere. All right. Uh, hmm? The next one... Is it's not luck, it's craft. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay, located in the heart of Ireland's traditional hop and malt growing region, O'Hara. Is it O'Hara or O'Hara? Probably anybody? O'Hara. Anybody? Anybody? O'Hara. Okay. All your heart. O'Hara's is brewing up traditional Irish beers with their own interpretation of international beer styles. Each beer is crafted using classic brewing. Um, methods to create the traditional Irish beer styles that have long since been forgotten by many of the larger breweries. Enjoy a taste of O'Hara's traditional or tradition to any. Wait. To any unlock a brand new badge. Okay, no wonder I'm getting tripped up on that. So, <laughs> anyway, grab one of these beers and uh, check in um, to. It says, namely, the Irish Stout, Irish Red, and Irish Pale Ale between February 17th. Um, so, uh, yesterday, as of today of recording, to March 17th, St. Hmm. Patrick's Day. <laughs> now, now, what could be happening yeah. on March 17th? And then, uh, Letters across the nation. The badge is called, it's not it's luck, it's craft. <laughs> it just makes me think of, like, maybe it's Maybelline. That... Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> maybe it's this, maybe it's Maybelline. 
Maybe she not does. craft. She was born that way. <laughs> we'll have to uh, do an episode. Well, next episode. Let me, let me rephrase that. Next episode, we have. I'll try to get together the list of really horrible uh, Irish beers, like cream ales and whatever that I got last time. That I would not recommend for anyone to ever drink. Oh yeah, uh, that's a good. That would be a good idea because you had like a huge drinking spree last St. Patrick's Day. I, I tried to buy all the Irish beers at the supermarket to get that badge, and everything stunk. I mean, they were horrible. All right, so next up, you're not checking into a beer. You're checking into a location for Omaha Beer Week in Nebraska. Nebraska. You're looking at, you're looking at, get ready, Omaha, because it's time again to explore and savor the world of local craft beer as Omaha Craft Beer Week kicks off. No, they have a craft beer week in Omaha. Yeah, and they don't have, and they don't have one in Cincinnati. I'm just telling you, we need to write somebody. (sighs) Let's pay for it. Let's let's go in and just buy a craft beer week badge. Um, so from February 17th to the 26th is craft beer week. Great cold weather to be outside drinking. I'm sure. Um, why do I? It's like 70 out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, from special tap releases or special releases to tap takeovers, delicious pairings. There's something for every beer lover to enjoy. I'm sure you can go to omahabeerweek.com and keep up with all the events, see a good listing of everything that's going on. But if you want to head out to some of these local areas or local venues, check in there. You need to check into three participating locations listed in the badge between the 17th and the 26th of February, and it's all yours. So start now, and uh, you got until the 26th to finish that up. You need to pick three of these, but I would – well, there's a couple that I know on here. Um, Alamo Drafthouse. I'll just Is pick it, up a few. Let's just go there. Go watch a movie and yeah. and drink. Yeah, Alamo Drafthouse Draft is really good. Um, and then the other one that I saw on this list was um, – oh, what was it? Was it Jerry's Bar? What was it? The Elbow Room? I love that name right now. The Elbow Room. I'm like, you know what? I'd go there on the assumption there's room. <laughs> if you got plenty of elbow room. The old um, mattress factory. I wonder what it used to be before it was a bar. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, imagine that. Um, but yeah, there were a couple others that I saw. I cannot find the one now. But um, check those out and uh, check into three by the 26th. I got excited for a minute because it says because uh, I, I thought it said the Thunderdome tap room, but it was Thunderhead. <laughs> the Thunderdome. Oh my God! That's that's we're gonna make a new but we're gonna we're gonna buy a bar. We're gonna call it the Thunderdome. There it is, Upstream Brewing. I know of Upstream. That was what it was. Okay, for this the next bowl that we do, um, there needs to be like a Thunderdome sound clip. <laughs> Can it just be one of us in the background, just outside of you know? Hearing rain shouting, two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> that are, uh, who runs Barter Town? Master Blaster. <laughs> who runs Barter Town? It sounded like a clip just then. <laughs> <sighs> All right, moving on into topic, I guess. I believe it is time for topic. That was unexpected. <laughs> so, you wanted to yeah. <laughs> <It worked. laughs> 
<sighs> the best thing is okay, I, I need to recover. I can't. The, the, the clip that I found that from, like, it's just a, a, a picture montage of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can find is either his actual intro or just these weird collages of the Hulkster. And I'm just like, no, it's great. It was only fitting. American Lager. <laughs> yeah, so that's that is what's up today is uh, standard American Lager, which I think um, we split into. Um, well, basically, we went with the BJCP categories, and we did um, the American Lager style category one B and category one A. And a bit of history. A yeah. smattering of yeah, history yeah. to start us off. Well, back in the olden times, both Canada and the United States were traditionally ale and whiskey-consuming regions in the British tradition. Don't read before, it all in the uh, before the late nineteenth. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers when pale lagers were introduced to both Cana both Canada and the United States by German immigrants. These Germans brewed brewers developed their brews from the American six-row barley, which has a high tannic acid. And protein content, uh, high tannic acid and protein content, and a greater husk per weight than continental European barleys or two row barley. I feel like, I'm like, I'm like, this, I'm like <laughs> this close to being like, dearest Epigene. The war, the war rages on, but soon we will. I'm sorry, what? So this is just that night attack episode where Brian's doing the awkward voice most of the time. <laughs> yeah. The flashlight. Yeah. <sighs> no, the these Germans. Uh, I already did that part. Uh, sorry, Pepper Farm didn't remember. <laughs> uh, let's see. In addition to the uh, to the different types of barley, uh, the Tettenager. Tettenger. Tettenger. Tettinger. Tettinger and Saws hops of Europe's were not available. Therefore, to balance the taste uh, and to dilute the excessive proteins, the grain mixture was adjusted, adding up to 30% corn to the barley malt mash. However, the beer was brewed to a full-fledged European strength and to the practices of the pale lager style. Later, rice gained popularity in the domestic brewing market after World War during World War II due to grain rationing on the home front. Most breweries were unable to afford the necess necessary amounts of barley required to produce and so began to use rice as a filler. This also had the added benefit of lightening the beer uh, flavor of the beer, making it more appealing to some of the new female workforce. Ouch. Well, that's patronizing. Yeah. Uh, after the war, the process was not changed. Canada had its own short, uh, shorter experiment with prohibition, which bankrupted many breweries and distilleries and the rise of mass media marketing and national scale supply chains, the major breweries consolidated into a near triopoly dominated by Molson, Labatt, Labatt sorry, and Carling O'Keefe. Following the Second World War, these corporate brewers re, uh, reacted to a new taste for sweet drinks in a public that had switched to sugary soft drinks and near beers. During Prohibition. Sound familiar? A little bit. Yeah. Currently, the only large-scale representatives of the pre-Prohibition lager style in the United States are the DG Yingling and Sun uh, with its traditional lager, the 
Genesi Brewing Company with its Genesi beer and the Akash Shell Brewing Company. I came real close to saying Chanel. Chanel. Uh, Chanel, Chanel. Uh, The Akash Shell Brewing Company with its original. Uh, In recent years, a number of smaller American breweries have also produced it, such as Victory Brewing Company with its Headwater Pale Ale, Headwaters Pale Ale, North Coast Brewing Company uh, with the Scrimshaw Pilsner, and the Full Sail Brewing Company with its Session Lager. Now, some of these premium beers are made in North America and may only use barley malt with no corn or rice at all, though they are considered more or less the same style. Sorry, I had to go back in one more time before I got out. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> when researching for this uh, episode, I came across an awesome list on Beer Advocate. Uh, hopefully we can link that for you guys. But it's this great timeline that's just real short sentences uh, paired up or just like it's just the straight list of dates and things that happened on those dates in reference to uh, brewing in America. So they have it all starting in 1587. You have Virginia colonists brew ale using corn. <laughs> they start simple like that and then things start to get kind of weird. So, 1607, first shipments of beer arrive in the Virginia colony from England. 1609, American help-wanted advertisements appear in London seeking brewers for Virginia colony. So, they're, <laughs> the, the colonists make it over. They're literally starving, starving to death. What do they write back for? A brewer. Save yes. beer. So I want to forget how hungry I am. <laughs> the, the whole... Um, Oh, what was it? Which was the the ship that actually led, the Pilgrims? The Mayflower. So the the, the I, I'm I'm pretty sure that the, that was that it was that ship. But the ship that landed here, actually, hold on, I have a little bit you mean of a, how the Pilgrims stopped here. because they needed they needed more so, beer. Yes, the the crew of the Mayflower unceremoniously dumped our New England forefathers because the ship was running low on beer. The ship's log stated that the passengers were. Hastened ashore and made to drink water that seamen might have. That the seamen might have more beer. I was going to say, careful how you phrase that. Yeah, the way it was put. So basically, they were they were dumped off because they they were running out of beer. Well, let's consult Beer Advocate 1620. Pilgrims arrive in Plymouth to the colony of Massachusetts aboard the Mayflower. Beer is extremely oh. short on board, and the seamen force passengers ashore to ensure they will have enough. They have sufficient beer for the return trip to England. What? Well, how about that? Because I just pulled up. I had like my beer. I have my beer trivia cards, and that was one of the beer trivias. So now you know, and you could get that in trivia night. And we do. We will have that link in the show note. The uh, uh, history okay. of it's a history of American beer is what the full thing is called from Beer Advocate. So yeah, there's so, a bunch of these like 1754 working our way up. George Washington enters a beer recipe in his notebook. Oh man. We almost had a news story about that today, it, and it was a crappy. It wasn't even a write-up; like it was just yeah, it was just an interview with someone about it. But apparently, there is a brewery out there that's doing that recipe. Yeah. Speaking of, did, did you see that they actually did hire their beer historian? Oh yeah, I saw mm. that someone has been yeah. hired for the Smithsonian's beer historian. The uh, dream so job has been taken. Down the, down the Lucky Duck. Oh, yeah. eighteen twenty-nine. Ying yeah. DG. Yingling opens a brewery in Pennsylvania. Sorry. Also mm-hmm. in 1829, American Temperance Society has 100,000 members. Now, why Why would they be noting something like that on here? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it was a long, slow march to Prohibition. <laughs> Which they document. You guys have to go through this list because you can see it like pop up every. This is like a little hint of what the Temperance Society and all these things. It shows, oh, this state enters into prohibition. There's not this just state. one. <laughs> and then it's like four more states. Into, <laughs> like it's it's really bad. There's like four, it's like four or five different main temperance groups that all like vied for control and who it's a thing. Um, yeah, we did see one really late on there though. I, I we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Uh, what was it, 1990? Yeah, okay, no, this was what? crazy. I yeah, 1994. Our millennial age. But we're just like, all right, let's scroll down, you know, near the end of this thing. And you get entries, like, in 1994. It becomes legal to put the alcohol content of beer on containers. What? <laughs> we're just, like, looking Why around going, that? what the hell? That, you mean it wasn't, you didn't legally have to put it there? <laughs> It sounds almost like it was like illegal. Like, yeah, oh, as opposed well, you shouldn't to. put that on there. Yeah. And then it's like, you have the option to put it on there. It's like, why wasn't it always on there? That has to go back to those. I mean, laws for alcohol have always been sort of a little bit crazy, uh, too really crazy. But that has to go back to, oh, if you put the alcohol content on there, people will just select the ones with the highest alcohol content because they're not looking to get, you know, a good enjoyment out of. A nice tasty beverage. They're just trying to get drunk. Mm. And you got a, that same year, you get uh, the temperance movement <laughs> still around. And some of the things they say kind of scare me. Mm. <laughs> but the last yeah. entry on this is 1,400, as of 2001, 1,458 breweries produce 6.2 million barrels of beer. Annual dollar volume for craft beer is $3.4 billion. U.S. brewing industry total is $51 billion. And as we know now that since 2001, we've grown from 1,400 to 4,000-plus breweries. Yeah. We're back at our hefty pre-prohibition numbers. So yep. cheers, America. We're great. <laughs> All, right. Um, All right. So let's get into these styles, shall we? Uh, so this is all according to the BJCP, which is still under um, 2015 style guidelines. Casey, when did you say they uh, changed that? So they usually update about every four years or so. Okay. They give an update so it's gonna to be those different. guidelines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so this is under category one, um, which, what's it? Yeah, standard American beer is the category name. And then... Uh, so which also, underneath that same category, you've got... Um, I think it's cream ale and American wheat, but today we're really just focusing on the traditional American lagers. I would rather shoot myself than talk about cream ales and traditional American wheat beers. <laughs> Fair enough. Because everyone it's else gets because... bunk categories except for Chris. Oh, the steward thing. Oh, yeah. He's still a little... Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's the steward thing. You're like, guess what you're drinking? 23 different cream ales and American wheat. It's like, oh boy! <laughs> This one's different. Oh, just just let me let it win. <laughs> All right. So the uh, category one B is the American Lager. Um, so this is what we would imagine for like the popular stuff, I guess. Uh, anyway, so the overall impression is that it's very pale, highly carbonated, light-bodied, well-attenuated lager, and it's very neutral flavor profile with low bitterness. And you are to serve it very cold. And it's like revenge. Be, uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, refreshing and thirst quenching. The aroma also like is... revenge. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, the aroma is low to no malt, um, although it can be perceived as grainy, 
or a, a sweet, like uh, like a corn-like presence. Um, the hop aroma can range from none to very light. Um, clean fermentation character is desirable, but um, a light amount of yeast character, like a sort of light apple, is uh, fine. Um, on the appearance, it's supposed to be a very pale straw to medium yellow color uh, with a white frothy head that doesn't really stay around. Um, the flavor is relatively neutral palate with a crisp and dry finish and a moderately low to low grainy or corn-like flavor that might be perceived as sweetness due to the low bitterness. The hop flavor ranges from none to moderately low levels and can have a floral, spicy, or herbal quality although often not strong enough to distinguish. Hop bitterness at low to medium low level. Balance may vary from slightly malty to slightly bitter. And uh, it's relatively close to even. High levels of carbonation may accentuate the crispness to the dry, of the dry finish. And uh, it's got a clean lager fermentation character. The mouthfeel is low to medium low. Um, very, again, highly carbonated. So, uh, so yeah, the, the history on this um, American lager, even though it's uh, German immigrants who had brewed the traditional Pilsner-inspired lager in the U.S. Um, since the late or mid to late 1800s, the modern American style was heavily influenced by Prohibition and World War II. Surviving breweries consolidated, expanded distribution, and heavily promoted a beer style that was appealing to a broad range of the population became the dominant beer style for many decades and spawning many international rivals who would develop similar bland products for the mass market <laughs> supported by heavy advertising. Real quick, if you read through that timeline, uh, this is another thing we were talking about in the pre-show as we were reading through it, you see these points where in regions, it talks about like all of the breweries in a region conglomerating to make you know a certain company or five or six of them coming together. You just see it during a specific period of time. What was happening during the end of the uh, uh, turn of the 20th century where all these companies were merging together to become giant super companies? Voltron, if you will. Um, yeah, Some so... sort of monopolistic trust. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit. Like the government might need to step in. The government says. Um, um, okay, right. yeah, and that... You mentioned something in there, Brittany, that, that is like, that's, that's what this beer is meant to be. It is meant to be inoffensive and for, yeah, as for a mass market. Yeah, if, for as many people as possible. Yeah, and which, to be fair, it succeeds at. So, good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the characteristic ingredients, uh, two or six row barley with high percentage of rice or corn as adjuncts. Um... The style comparison is less bitterness and flavor than an international lager, but significantly less flavor, hops, and bitterness than the traditional European pilsners. It ranges on IBUs from 8 to 18, and the ABV 4.2 to 5.3. So, of course, the examples everyone will think of, the regular Budweiser, so not Bud Light, but the red, you know, Budweiser can, or bottle. Uh, Coors Original, again. Green Belt Premium Lager. I really actually heard of that one. Uh, Miller High Life, another <laughs> big example. Uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, and Special Export. It's so, Miller time. It's Miller time. Uh, so whenever I think of this, and I, I discussed with my father, you know, his his past of drinking. 
he was never a big drinker uh, and specifically like he didn't like Coors because it was too hoppy. Wow. Yeah. Again, now he grew up in the seventies in Kentucky and, you know, out in the hollers, he could only get Bud Miller Coors, mostly like Natty Light and Schlitz. You know, stuff like that. You know, I've got one of those unsessionables someone, left. You could cart that back home and just record his reaction. Oh God, he would kill me. Uh, but like, like the only reason like a cinnamon challenge or something. <laughs> also keep also keep in mind, I I don't remember when it was that our county went over from being wet, oh, from being dry to wet. Because like a lot of a lot of beer drinking back then had to come off of someone's truck that drove into the area. A local bootlegger. For those not in the know, yeah. the area or the region we are from uh, is not entirely wet yet. Yeah, still moist. Still, to this day. So, a little moist back in the region. But, yeah, that's uh, that's the legal terminology, too. That's in our laws. Moist. Yeah, moist. <laughs> For those of you that the, that word makes uncomfortable. Moist. So you, you do have the traditional American lager, what we think of. Yeah, this is man's beer, you know. Um, mm. man, well, man, man. Uh, women could drink it too, according to uh, about the eighteen. Uh, what was it? Eighteen eighties. Women could start drinking it. I don't know when was that. Okay, I keep that. Man, during prohibition, their 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 biggest thing about the evils of drink when they had outlawed liquor was like, well, look now the women are drinking too. <laughs> oh. now, sexism is just for the men anymore. It, it is. It is sexist, but at the same time. So many chicks don't like beer. Like, I mean, I don't think I really ever used to like it and again until I tried Guinness, as we talked about on the show before. Until but, I held her down and put a funnel in her mouth and said, you're going to like it. Okay, that sounds horrible. But, Things um, get a little rapey there. <laughs> uh, but, like, for the most part, most chicks are, are still about, you know, the, the Budweiser or Coors or, you know, something like that. So it's, I, I get it. You know, we, we see it a lot with... Um, They'll they'll drink the light versions of it. You don't see them. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me let me be sexist for a little bit because I know there's probably some women out there that sexist. are like, I drink Budweiser, I drink double IPAs and all this, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the mass market of of who who they sell to. And Bud Light is the college kid and women beer. That's the one that they sell to. Mm-hmm. Budweiser, all their ads are focused on blue collar, hardworking guys. So that's what you see. Or blue collar, hardworking ladies. So American Light Lager. Now that I've gotten us down that hole, um, there's just some emails. Now that we've gotten in that area, so American Light Lager is I'm the all, next I'm one. All hate mail at uh, Casey Price at gmail.com at Casey Price on Twitter. Yeah, I wasn't going to give an actual email address. I was going to start like at lycos.com. I was just saying his name. I don't know if that's his actual. You can put it out there. We'll see if it comes in. Um, but this is the, the the light lager, American light lager side. So we're looking at Bud Light, Coors Light, Keystone Light, Mick Ultra. Sorry, Michelob Light, Miller Light, Old Milwaukee Light. Um, Mick Ultra, Michelob Ultra is probably in there, but it's even more so light beer than any of these are. Um, yeah. It's, I really, like, it's like, so like, I like a Michelob Ultra. I got some tap water. So that's a that's a female beer and a golfer beer right there. It is a golfer beer. That yep. is. Well, I'm out in the sun all day. 
carrying these, carrying these things. You there, person on the person there with that frozen container, coming to me. Let me buy all the overpriced beer. When the the sixty five, and it's not bad. My dad though drinks the Michelob Ultra with lime. Oh. Yeah. It well, it, it actually sounds far worse. Surprisingly. The taste isn't as artificial as you'd think it should be. <laughs> the Bud Light lime tastes like soap. Yeah, but the Michelob um, doesn't. I don't know why. Okay. It, it doesn't that, taste like artificial lime. We took him Blackberry Gosa, and he drank it up. Well, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he drank that milkshake. He did. So I can go ahead and say with American Light Lager, when you look at the overall impression, the aroma, the appearance, and the flavor – Everything's the same. I won't bore you with the the descriptions again. Everything is almost exactly the same as above. Okay. He's altering the dock in real time and just making it say same, 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 same. Yeah, same. yeah. I'm I'm straight editing here. The biggest difference is when you get down to mouthfeel. So it goes from um, what we had earlier was probably a light um, on the mouthfeel. You go from a low to medium low body. No, no, no. You go from low to medium low to very light, sometimes watery body. Very highly carbonated with a slight carbonic bite on the tongue. You're drinking carbonated water with a little bit of beer flavoring. Mm. So this is... I mean, I'm not saying as a consumer is what you want. As a company, that's what you're wanting to put out there. It's going... You can drink a ton of it and still be okay to drink more. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. How much more you can sell if it's not very strong if it takes yeah. an entire case to get one human being drunk yeah you're buying a 24 pack of that for sure now in i'm sure in um where utah that they sell the budweiser um and it would be kind of a watered down version of budweiser it's not technically bud light though at that point i was reading a little bit on this and, and kind of came to that conclusion budweiser it still has the body so even though the Budweiser that you're getting in Utah is 3.2 percent um, instead of the five percent that you're getting everywhere else, whenever you get in Utah, it's still got a little bit more body. It's still got a little bit more to it than just that wateriness. Um, when you get into Bud Light, they actually add extra enzymes to the beer in order to convert even more of those starches into sugars, which convert into alcohols. Um, and so you actually are, are converting more of that grain that you're soaking out. You're converting more of that into alcohol than you would be in a Budweiser. So if you're making a light lager, you're actually going to come out with a higher ABV than you would be when you're making a, um, a standard lager, American lager. Then you water it down after that. So you get more alcohol, but you water it down more so that you've got a difference in, in body there. That's huge. But, um, but you get less alcohol and you get less body and you get less flavor. So it's designed to appeal to a broad range of general public. Um, it's got a, the, the strong flavors in this beer would be a fault. This is what, you know, Coors came out with banquet beer. This is a lighter version of banquet beer. It's something that you're supposed to be able to go in and, and drink a lot of. And um, we're really, I mean, you're, you're able to, to just have a ball with this basically party it up. So Coors briefly made a light lager in the 1940s. Uh, modern versions were first produced by Rheingold in 1967, though, to appear appeal to diet-conscious drinkers, probably around the same time that you got Tab Cola coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, it only really became popular starting in 1973 uh, after Miller Brewing acquired a recipe and marketed the beer heavily to sports fans 
with the taste great less filling campaign. Okay, so that makes sense. We're we're looking for guys who can still remember the end of the game so they can talk about it on Monday after they've been watching all day on Sunday. That's understandable. Is that campaign well, it, even dead yet? I think it's still going. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah for sure. They they still use that tagline, I'm sure, on on lo- most of their uh advertising. Well, and this is them this is their ad campaign literally saying the 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 joke we were making about like, no, it would be fantastic. Think of how much more you can buy oh, yeah. if it doesn't get you as full. Absolutely. It's not tastes great less drunk. It's tastes great. You can drink more. Yeah. <laughs> tastes great. You should buy another case. Right. So whenever we look at the general beer setup in the U.S., you're looking at uh, Budweiser, Miller Coors being the biggest sellers in the U.S. This is the number one category of their beers. It became the largest seller in the U.S. in the 1990s. And from then on, there's no looking back. Uh, basically, huge percentage of the beer in the U.S. still is American light lagers. We, back, back at the bar I worked, the, the you know, the bar and the restaurant I worked at, they didn't even have what I would say, you know, I would, you know, I would joke, we don't have Bud Heavy on tap. All we have is Bud Light, Coors Light. Yep. Uh, Bud Light, Miller Light, uh, and then we had two other things, and that was that was it. That elusive yeah. Bud Russian Imperial Stout. I mean, <laughs> well, no, we were fresh out of, of, uh, of, but of Bud's double, uh, double Imperial Stout. That's one of the things that you really have to look at here and see is um, whenever you you look at labeling. Budweiser is the huge. Ooh, excuse me, a little burp there. Uh, Budweiser is that huge, and you'll see why my my beer is highly carbonated here at the end. Um, when uh, Budweiser is the name, like the name brand yeah. Budweiser is huge. But whenever you go into a bar, whatever it is, and you ask for a Bud, they always say Bud Light, and it's no, no Bud Diesel, Bud Heavy. You have to make a specific name for mm-hmm. it because people immediately think when you say Budweiser it's a Bud Light product. Yeah. Well, and because a lot of the times people do mean that. Like they'll ask for a they'll ask for a Bud, you bring them in like no, I want to I want a pot. Oh, I'm sorry. You're at the wrong establishment. We serve food and drink, not drugs. <laughs> Go to Colorado. But no, they do. They do think Bud is now the the te- term is Bud for Bud Light. You know, a Coors, I'll take a Coors. No, it's Coors Light is what they're looking for. You know, it, it's just one name. And it's real quick. So college kids walking around blue bottles. Do you have blue bottles shattered beer? everywhere at beer pong? You would insist on the customer specifically say which one they wanted. They'd say, "Oh, I just want a Bud," and you'd be like, "Light or regular?" Yeah. 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 You'd have to. Okay. Usually, I, a lot of places that I go, they ask like they say Bud Diesel. Um, I don't know why that term became a thing, but uh, but yeah, it's such a hard beer. It's like drinking diesel fuel. How strong <laughs> it is! Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just want to let that just sit there and hang, just everywhere I go. IBUs <laughs> again are ranging in that eight to twelve range, although. You're not tasting eight IBUs. Um, your ABV is. I don't is, know. Maybe my dad is. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's got super sensitive uh, to the the hop. Uh, you know, hops. The low IBUs. Um, I was listening to beerists, and they did a zero IBU IPA. So oh. they're trying to figure it out, but it was like this big, 
pine, like a big resiny pine citrus flavor in it, but with zero IBUs. Okay. The so, only thought was that it had to be a mass dry hopping at the end. That's, that's the, the only, only yeah, well, and even at that, you probably do get some, maybe, I don't know. So in order to get an IBU, the hop has to isomerize, and uh, isomerization of a hop is a heat-driven process. You're a heat-driven so, process. If you have no heat going into the beer and you're cold dry hopping it, maybe you can do it. But I still think there's probably some um, some conversion from from there over. Maybe not. I'm not a chemist. <laughs> that should really be like the, the tagline of our show. I'm not a chemist. <laughs> but there you go. So that's Budweiser and Bud Light. You know, I almost um, grabbed something to theme for the show because it's not big beer, but Sam Adams light. I actually mm. don't hate, um, but I just, I forgot to get like a single bottle. It's of kind it. of hard to find. I don't think well, you can get singles. Actually, I'm wondering if they keep putting it out because light beer makes you think of like the, like having it during a hotter um, temperature. Like, yeah. and I definitely saw some like in big, like the big cases, like the big 12 and, and 24 packs or whatever at um, the store last time we were there. So I think it's starting to come out more now. Because it's starting to get like oh, it's almost spring, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that one is. Uh, I would I would probably put it close to the light lager, but it's not the traditional light lager. Right, right. But as far yeah. as light beer goes, which we should, we should just do an episode on light beer at some point. Honestly, I think, I think we just yeah. did it. Well, but I mean, we, we could just do one. Other people attempt it too. I don't know. This is true. Yeah. And, well, and there's we we could definitely go into the process of of how you add the extra enzymes in and what everything that you yeah. can do to make a beer lighter. There's a lot beer. involved, I think. Yeah. There's a lot more involved than I currently know about. I do know that. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, why don't we roll into what we're drinking? Drink with me, friend. Yeah, I didn't go to the episode at all. Uh, themed. Um, I don't think many of us did. Uh, yeah, like one of us. Uh, I've been drinking the Dragon's Milk Reserve Vanilla Chai because we still have some left. <laughs> Holdover from New Year's. Yeah, so this is from New Holland. It's a stout. It's 11%, uh, 31 IBUs. The rate beer score is 96 for, uh, overall, but 58 for the style, which is interesting. Um, I don't think I realized that that was that low. Um, and then just to give the uh, description here, because this is wonderful, uh, it says... This beer combines robust malt character with the luxurious nuance of sweet chai. Aged in white oak bourbon barrels, vanilla chai dragon's milk is a concert of luscious flavors. Ooh. That's basically one of the best descriptions. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's good, and uh, sorry I didn't get something new, but yeah. We gotta how get dare some, you? We gotta get through some stuff in the fridge. <laughs> I understand that feel. It's, uh... It's a hard road. That's it. The vanilla chai is always a good choice. Oh, yeah. Especially now that it's actually been... I haven't quite finished it yet, but um, it's it's so much better after you let it warm up a bit. <laughs> hmm. uh, go on, go on. <laughs> I've read something and I had to laugh out loud. I'll tell you in just a second when we get in my end. All right. Okay. I had to uh, explain that to a coworker about letting... If, when you get a big dark beer, about taking your time with it and letting it warm up and like he was like oh you should drink it hot and i'm like no not hot. no <laughs> take just... your like let it set for 10 minutes before you start drinking it like just give it some time 
right. Um, now, Bob, we have to have a lead-in to your drink. I insist. Oh, we do. Yeah. We do. This is good lead-in. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, it, it, I wanted to play Brass Monkey for oh. Beastie Boys. Well, because I have, I have a beer called Brass Monkey from the Listerman Brewing Company. Uh, it is a, uh, it was an East Coast style IPA, seven percent ABV. No idea on the IBU. Can't find it anywhere. Uh, Assume it's high. Yeah, it's probably in the seventies yeah. or eighties, I think. There's no rate beer score. There's no. Uh, description on the brewery website for it. Let me tell you, there's not going to be a rate However, beer score because people were just getting shanked out in parking lots to get this beer. <laughs> I was going to say, however, it says uh, East Coast IPA brewed with Galaxy uh, Nelson oh. Summit. Hold on. Nelson Summit. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to read it and there's that printing is not clear. The font uh, is and, really odd. Uh, uh, I but, was just enjoying uh, the galaxy. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. No, this is a fantastic beer. Uh, Chris had uh, snuck me down some the last time I saw him. And uh, or one of the last times I saw him anyway. And it had, I was like, okay, no, you know what? I'm going to break into this. I'm not going to drink to this ep- style of the episode today because... <sighs> just didn't want to leave the house today. I, I, I went to work, I came home, and I didn't feel good. I did not want to try to find a single Bud Miller Coors That's bottle or can. It just sounded exhausting, just think, just thinking about it. Like, it uh, takes effort. I don't want to put effort. I want to just open the fridge. The amount of drugs I've been on, by the way, yeah, that sounded like effort. I didn't want it. I should not be allowed to operate machinery like vehicles. Um, but so that beer is good. So... The beer is good. Uh, like, I, I opened it up, took a big whiff of it with, like, my one functioning nostril. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, it's that kind of smells citrusy, because I, I didn't know what to expect, because it's just the monkey with bananas in the front. So I was like, I was like all right, we're going to get some weird banana. But it, it does give you that idea that it's going to be like a, a Belgian style with that banana-y. Yeah. But that is not the case at No. Uh, it, it's, it goes down really smooth. It's it. There's a lot of great hops playing around in it, but uh, uh, like I, I've been trying to savor it the whole episode, and I'm just like, no, don't don't go too fast. Just you gotta let it last a little longer. Well, yeah, I bought like I think three packs of it, and they're all gone. <sighs> Drank it you up. I had my last one this morning, waiting in line for their newest release. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, and you told me they made a mango version of this, and I could totally see someone getting stabbed in a parking lot over that. <laughs> that actually has happened. It like that one. Oh, I was about to stab somebody for it because they sold out by the time I got up there. I was kind of pissed. All right, but that's that's my beer. What about you, Chris? Well, I had to break things up a little bit. I have had so many IPAs, like. Is this an alternate universe or something yes. where I'm like, oh, I've had so many IPAs recently, but it, it is the case. Like the past two weeks, just IPAs all over me, just dumping them everywhere. So I, I needed something dark, chocolatey, coffee So we had to go with a breakfast stout from Founders. Uh, mm. It's an imperial stout. It's our winter standby beer. Uh, mm. 8.3% ABV, 60 IBUs. Uh, rate beer score of 
199. So overall 199 for style. So almost perfect. When the beer is just right. And this it's this and the backwoods bastard are the like the things I'm always like when I'm I see founders I'm like yeah, give me give me more of this. Yeah, and it's it's already off shelves around here. It took me a, some digging around to find single bottles of it anywhere or packs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's pretty much gone. Uh, the description is the coffee lover's consummate beer brewed with an abundance of flaked oats, bitter and imported chocolates, and two types of coffee. This stout has an intense, fresh-roasted Java nose topped with a frothy, cinnamon-colored head that goes forever. Jeez. And it does. <laughs> oh, everything about this beer, it took me forever to actually try it. And when I did, I just fell in love with it. Oh, it. yeah. This, uh, I think this and this was one of those, I think, that, that, that started getting me to love Founders. Yeah. Like some of their stout stuff is just, just. They know how to do stout. They know the way. Beer. They know how to stout. They know their way around some uh, some chocolate and some coffee. That's that's all I'm gonna say. I mean, they know their way around a lot of beers, but like mm, something special when Founders does a stout. Speaking of which, we're only I think we're less than a month and a half away from uh, KBS. Oh. Mm. An actual KBS week is like three weeks away. Indeed. If someone was wanting to go to Michigan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not us. I'm just saying, Casey might find himself in Michigan again. Not until I'll be going in September. Um, <laughs> Let's not give out your schedule so people don't get. Well, we did. So here, I, I do. I mean, I don't care. You know, people can come in. And people try. can stab you whenever you want. Right. So um, in Michigan, I mean, in uh, in September, I won't say the exact date, but I will be heading down to. Um, we're going on a cruise, and the flight schedule. If I drove the six hours to Michigan to Detroit, the flights were less than half the price than coming out of our local airport. Holy. So I'm to driving to Michigan. Six hours for $300 is definitely worth it. Or actually, 600 once you buy two tickets. How much do you save on gas? Um, $540. I mean, how much, yeah, I'm saying, like, how much does gas cost you compared to how much you're saving? For the ticket, it'd be a difference of five hundred forty bucks. So, oh, okay. So he spends okay. less than that on gas and everything. Well, else, he's, let's let's double that. Let's say it's four hundred and eighty because just in case, you know, the the there and back again. So four hundred eighty dollars. Yeah. So um, I'll be going up to Michigan for that. Uh, this time of year in Michigan is great. Uh, St. Patty's Day is actually really fun if you're heading up that way. Um, it's a fun place to be. Uh, there's a bar up there that actually has those cereal flavored beers. Oh, um, right. I can't remember what it is, but check that place out. Okay. What are you uh, Casey, what are you drinking? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? We're ready. Let me start What amazing beer are you so drinking? This, this beer is brewed using a blend of imported and classical American hops. A blend oh. of barley and malts, or oh. sorry, barley malts and rice. This beer is brewed with the time-honored methods, including krausening for natural carbonation and beechwood aging, which results in an unparalleled balance of character and character. 
So as I'm sure you may have figured this out, I'm, I'm drinking an American lager style uh, from AB InBev. It's Budweiser, 5% ABV. IBUs are seven, which is lower than the suggested IBUs on our uh, yeah. BJCP. BJCP guidelines. I can't get over uh, the score. What's, what's, what, what, how's it do on unranked beer? Uh, so for the style, it ranked a three, but overall on ranked beer? Like it's third place for the whole style? No, no, it, it rate, rated a three. Yeah, three oh, out of 100. Out of 100. Oh. Um, and then a zero out of 100 overall. <laughs> oh, we go from our 100 to a zero. Okay, uh, so that's, that score is purely political. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because uh, let me, as much as I've said about Bells, as much as I've said about Big Beer, um, here I am sitting with a 32-ouncer of Budweiser. I don't want to hear and, one more word against Bells, Casey. <laughs> and a real glass. I did at least pour it into a real glass and didn't drink it straight out of the, the, the 32. Um, you didn't but, tape it to your hand? Yeah, we came hands. close. Come on. I, ha I had to have one hand to, for the mouse at least. Um so this beer is actually, I mean, as far as beer goes, it's pretty good. I mean, it's really good as far as like brewing process and everything that goes into this beer. I'm I'm impressed with how clean and how well made this beer is. Now, is it a beer that is highly flavorful? Not really, um, not at all. Actually, is it a beer that you could drink a lot of? Probably. Um, I drink a 32 ounce and still want some Taco Bell. So, yeah, but like, that's about right. You can drink a lot of things and still want some Taco Bell. That's true. It, it, it actually increases your craving. Side but what I like to include craving Taco Bell. <laughs> so here, whenever I looked it up online, they can that be not... a new can that be your new tagline? Actually, Which have one? a drink podcast or side effects may include a craving for Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, like craving for garbage uh, food. Right. That's the way it goes. Um, so I did look this up on Walmart.com, and the, so the 32 um, is is out the window. This is a 40 ounce that I found on Walmart.com for two dollars and seventy seven cents. Nice pricing there, so it's fairly cheap. Uh, whenever I look down below at the consider these popular products, though, every single one of them were uh, Mr. Beer kits. Like, make your own beer, please. Don't do this. Don't do this to yourself. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. Make but the best own. part is that on the bottle itself, on the bottle itself, it says, this is the famous Budweiser beer. We know of no brand produced by any other brewer which costs so much to brew and age. And what I cracked up earlier whenever you were talking, I think, Brittany, whenever you cracked yeah. up, or I cracked up, um, I, I look online and I Googled this, and it was on the Homebrew Talk forums. You know, they were kind of saying, you know, why is this beer the most most costly beer to make? And the the guy down below put in the comments from April 20, uh, 2006, it says, you are obviously unaware with agreement with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that made me crack up a little bit there. But, uh, you know, it's a beer that it's a beer that you can drink anytime, anywhere. Okay. So, yeah. It, as much as we we poo poo and pee pee and other excrement <laughs> childish names um, about the you know it's 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 fine it's it, fine That's, it does what it says it's supposed to do and it does it well yeah if, we you know if I was if if beer had like you know testimonials I want mine on the, theirs for Budweiser's 
It's fine. <laughs> Justin Frazier. <laughs> it um, does the job. If it so, were a book, that would be your fact. That would be its yeah. pull quote. It's fine. Um, so I, just for giggles, uh, I've looked on Untapped. Now, granted, every I think everyone using Untapped is normally a little more serious about beer. They're not gonna. They're not getting it to be like I'm gonna remember every Bud Light I drink. No, Bud Light <laughs> is high and always in the trending. Um, trending, yes, but um, just because I pulled up um, Budweiser as the brewery for ratings to see where it's at average. Uh, so Budweiser itself, so the one that you're drinking, Casey, um, yes, is at a two point five one eight average rating out of five. 2.5. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then the Bud Light right. is at two point two four six. For some reason, I think of also sounds about right. Yeah, um, and then the, they've got Bud Select on there, which is quite a bit lower. Um, oh, <laughs> 2. God. 3, I... um, so the further down this list you go, the closer I'm going to get to a stroke. Yeah, is Bud Select? I forget. Is Bud Select the competitor to Mick Ultra? Yes. Yeah, it's because it's the the carb one. Um, yeah, Man okay. Ultra is actually good if you're watch if you're aware of like you're you can't do the carb thing. It's it's mostly about have, carbs and sugar, honestly, for for Mick Ultra. I have flashbacks to people coming up to me and asking me for like blood platinum. <laughs> or, but uh, but platinum, platinum. Bud platinum. Oh, yeah. So you can think of Bud Budweiser being right in the middle, Bud Light being the watered down version, and Bud Platinum is the high alcohol version that's pre watered down Bud Light. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've had the carbs. It tastes like my that. First beer and it was awful. Uh, they've, and then it's yeah, hearing also Bud Lime. Yeah. Uh, well, the, those are my triggers. On here is. Did you know Budweiser and Clamato, as in like the tomato oh, yeah. stuff, did something yeah. together? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. sick. That's sick. Like, I don't... <laughs> so someone's got to find that. We have to give it to Brittany now, and we've got to record sick. her reaction. <laughs> sick. That's all I keep hearing. You're all sick. Oh. You're all bad. You should feel bad. Budweiser and Clamato Chilada Picante. Oh, the spicy one. Yeah. Why? Uh. Sick. <laughs> and the rating, the average rating is 2.92. Out of five. What? What? Bless their hearts. What? Every beer is someone's first. <laughs> exactly. Right. Whoever gets the Clamato beer as their first beer, I do feel sorry for. If, oh, yeah. whoever, they're, they're if someone told me the that they that said, their first beer, I will buy them drink. I'll pay their bar tab for a night. What is Budweiser Magnum? Oh. Well, I mean... <laughs> You put it like that. Some bottles are made bigger than other bottles. Yeah, that's where I knew that was going. That label looks just awful. Um, Some people enjoy Little Kings. It looks like the malt liquor of Budweiser. It It does actually feel like a giant. Can we do an episode now on uh, Colt 45s and just do the entire thing in Billy D. Williams' (laughs) voices? It, there's we'll, no description of this. I don't know what this we'll is. We'll have to do a malt beverage. But Magnum? Yeah, it's got a 2.75 average rating. Um, True. So it's here among the unhappy ABV. So maybe that's what it is. It's, that it's, it's a higher, higher percent ABV. ABV. Yeah, higher ABV. Okay, we've gushed about this long enough. Okay. I just thought that was interesting to point out. Yeah. We're holding up people's days here. Okay. Or maybe we're making their days better. I don't know. Hmm. 
Seriously though, if if you have if a Bud Clamato is your first drink, and I ever meet you in person, I will pay for your drinks for a night. So everyone going to Nerdtacular, remember, yeah. remember that, so that he can hand in his coins and have Justin Robert Young essentially buy you your beers. It'll just be a chain of people buying people drinks. I'm gonna start buying more of those packs so I can get more coins. Jeez. You're just pre-purchasing your beers. You realize that's all (laughs) that's happening. (laughs) All right, let's let's close out the show, guys. Okay. Uh, yeah. We don't uh, don't have any announcements. The sticker packs. Uh, we're gonna run it until the end of February. So if you want, oh, the bags. Yeah. Yeah. The bags. Swag. Swag bag. Swag bag. Swag bag. If you want a swag bag, uh, go put the reviews up in the format that we've said a million times. And it's going to be a random person picked. Uh, right now, there are a couple up there, and we feel generous. So that's all we're going to say. <laughs> so let's let's finish this out. Cool. Brittany, can I do a Twitter question? Oh. What? Oh. All right. <laughs> okay. Twitter. So uh, this is something I want to start. Since I've got these trivia cards and everything, I kind of want to do some like cool trivia at, for Twitter to kind of get that activity going a little bit. <laughs> And uh, so I'm going to say, are there any announcements first off? No, no we're no, just no. saying. Okay. okay. So just go ahead and subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please rate us on iTunes to help spread the word. So this week I want to do a Twitter question where you can send in your answer to uh, at Have a Drink Show on Twitter. And so the question is, how many Budweiser Clydesdales are hitched to the company's beard wagon? And we'll announce who the winner is on uh, the next audio show. I guess we'll go from there. Is that cool? Do they need to use any kind of specific hashtag or just? Nope. You just uh, say at have a drink show. Um, Hashtag drunk as a horse. (laughs) Hashtag drunk as a horse. There you go. I like it. And then type in your, uh, your answer. To how many Clydesdales were hitched to the company's beer wagon for nice. Budweiser? So just right. for bragging rights, or is there is there something tied to this? I don't know. Bragging rights for this one, but we may. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get together and see if we've got any prizes or anything that we can maybe hand out. Maybe right. one one day we'll get to the uh, like the Patreon name chant corner hour situation. <laughs> the whole hour of just <laughs> name hour of it. I think that's my favorite part of Night Attack now. <laughs> All right. Uh, Also, uh, don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, uh, ask a non-Twitter question, or leave some general feedback. And uh, uh, just use the email address, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. And you can also use the feedback page on the website. Yep. And all joking and fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Use use a rideshare app. Come on. Uber and Lyft aren't, aren't that expensive. I traveled. I traveled a long distance on Lyft just recently. Yeah. You did because you were responsible. Yes, true. All right. Uh, so check us out in another couple of weeks for the next audio episode. Um, be sure to check out next weekend for our um, uh, next video episode. Where what are we doing? New another Belgium. memorial episode. Folly I died. Pack. We're doing the new, we are doing the new Belgium pack. Folly Pack on the next video episode on DiamondClub.tv. So, uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.